Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. The United States has won a third World Cup. Feels pretty good to be the favorites, frankly. On Sunday, July 5th, the U.S. women's national team delivered a beautifully belated birthday present to a soccer-mad nation. Powered by 16 minutes of absolute brilliance, the U.S. defeated Japan in the final game of the FIFA World Cup by a score of 5-2. to two. The result was never in doubt, and it's never felt better to be an American soccer fan. The U.S. team was led by Carly Lloyd, an attacking midfielder, who scored two goals in four minutes and then launched a 60-yard wonder strike 10 minutes later to put the U.S. up for good for nothing. Abby Wambach didn't have the tournament a lot expected of her, and neither did Alex Morgan. But what we learned from this tournament is that the U.S. has depth in spades, and a team that was a favorite going into this final game will surely be a favorite going into the 2019 World Cup in France. Joining me on the show to celebrate the victory is Sonia Kondratenko. She is Howler Magazine's social media editor and also works with the fourth division side, the Baltimore Bows. Follow her on Twitter at Sonia Karate. We break down the atmosphere at the game, all five goals, and what U.S. fans have to look forward to for the rest of the year and looking ahead to the Olympics and the next World Cup. So I hope you enjoy our conversation about the world's newest champions, the United States women's national team. Hey, Sonia, welcome to The Big Game. Hi, thank you for having me. So the United States is now World Cup champion again as the team defeated Japan 5-2 to two yesterday in what was just a totally ridiculous goal-palooza. Um, yeah. And so a lot of people were kind of saying, you know, comparing the squad to the 1999 World Cup winners, um, you know, of course, because they're, you know, such a remarkable historical team that we all kind of, you know, we think of the boom of, of women's soccer as 1999. But I like to really think of this team, especially in this game, especially in the first 20 minutes of this game, they really reminded me of, like, the NBA's dream team in 1992, just star power and... and easily scoring like at will so where did you uh watch the game and what was the atmosphere like for you so i'm actually down in nashville i came down for the usa uh, men's game against guatemala on friday and i wanted to stick around and i heard nashville was like a really cool city um as far as the national team support goes because they don't have like a a higher division club team or anything so people get really excited about anything usa here um, I went to a bar, which I heard was actually is, is actually owned by a former MLS player. I'm not exactly sure who, but that was like the rumor that was going around yesterday. <laughs> um, really cool Irish pub in Nashville, 20-foot screen outside in the parking lot, ton of people. That's it was awesome. a really cool environment. How was the crowd? I mean, was everybody just totally juiced for it, oh, it I mean, was, especially yeah, after those first goals, right? It was packed inside and outside you couldn't really move around i had a couple people that um follow me on twitter or instagram they're like come this is where you should be this is where you should be and i was trying to find them <laughs> but i couldn't uh, it was it was so busy so packed everybody had flags and swag like usa everything <laughs> yeah that's interesting that you mentioned nashville has you know a big audience for soccer despite the fact that they don't have an mls squad because i was looking at 
the ratings breakdown today, and St. Louis was one of the top markets for it. And, you know, St. Louis is a hotbed of soccer going back to, like, the 1910s and 20s. And so it was kind of cool to see that there are still these, like, cities and and soccer cultures that don't necessarily have, like, a modern MLS equivalent, but are still kind of keeping the love for the sport alive. Yeah, for sure. And um, the game Friday night was actually at the football stadium. It was the largest attended soccer game in Tennessee like history ever so it was almost <laughs> 45,000 people um it was really cool to see yeah that's awesome well so let's talk about yesterday's game uh for me I watched it actually at uh 10 p.m pacific time because for some reason during the last two world cup finals I find that I'm in a car and like, <laughs> not in front of a tv for like hours at a time and yesterday my girlfriend and I were driving up from San Diego to LA like right at 4 p.m. so it's like okay this is what we're gonna do don't look at your phone don't oh, let no. anyone call you or text you we're just gonna wait until we get back we had to pick a friend up from the airport and like that delayed it and made it even more complicated but fortunately I was able to like not spoil the surprise and I mean, especially those if I had known that they would score four goals in the first 16 minutes it like it totally would have been ruined for me but let's talk about those goals did you did you have any inkling that this would happen uh i wasn't ready for it yeah the first one happened i was like you know just kind of chilling just just got there hanging out whatever <laughs> oh goal okay another goal and then, you know all right all right we'll see what happens more goals uh even my mom my mom kept texting me like goal goal oh my gosh goal and i was like whoa like she's getting so excited about this and i can only imagine like people who i don't know that they don't think soccer is super exciting or is low scoring and eh, whatever i mean that was a, a really nice moment and got a lot of attention yeah, and, and certainly it can be, I mean, especially, you know, finals can be a little bit boring, you know, two teams try to suss each other out for 80 minutes, you know, playing defensive right. ball, and then, you know, maybe somebody gets a score and tries to sit on it, but but this one, it kind of reminded me a little bit, not in the way the goals were scored, but just like the feeling of like, oh, they're going to score at will right now was the Brazil-Germany game from the last um, yeah. World Cup last summer, it was just, <laughs> they were just like, Dominant, and, but the way that the U.S. did it this time was those set pieces. And I want to talk a little bit about each of the goals, or, may, or maybe just kind of the more spectacular ones. But that first one, like, I don't, I don't, I couldn't quite figure out how the ball made it to the middle of the field, like untouched on the ground. And Carly <laughs> Lloyd was able to like get there, and then like a beautiful outside of the foot shot. It was incredible. Yeah, pretty great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like. I was not. I was not expecting that many goals. I was kind of like. I actually had like some wagers going on between a couple of friends. <laughs> um, that seems to be like my life is like Twitter betting right now, which is I'm I'm not addicted. I promise. Did you, people just people just come at me with like Twitter bets. Did um, you win big on your Twitter bets? I. I mean, we we all lost. I think because <laughs> no, <laughs> none of us called that many goals. So. Well, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't think anyone would have called a, a 60-yard wonder strike from Carly Lloyd oh, to cap no it off. Oh, no way. <laughs> well, so was there any point in the game where you felt like the U.S. was going to slip up and maybe maybe Japan was going to kind of inch their way back towards it, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time? Uh, I am first and foremost, like, forever an optimist. So I was like, yeah, we got this, we got this. But then... 
I mean, I get my heart broken a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, no. I mean, it could happen. Anything could happen. I mean, look what happens in the first couple minutes, you know. Um, yeah. Things could flip. But I, I was pretty confident at that point that we were going to keep it up. I'm super superstitious. That was a funny way to phrase that. But I'm very superstitious. <laughs> and kind of especially when it comes to soccer. And, you know, sometimes there's so few goals scored that kind of, you know, you can really give your superstitions a lot of weight depending on when something happens, you know, a- after a goal or before a goal. And for me, you know, there was a turning point in the game when the U.S. played Germany in the semifinal when Sausage goes up to take the penalty kick and she misses it. And this is right. something I've been thinking a lot about. And it's happened, you know, to a lot of teams that I'm a fan of. Um, I remember specifically the Red Bulls missed a penalty kick in the playoffs a few years ago against DC United. <laughs> and anytime you miss a penalty kick, bad things happen. You know what I mean? Right. It's like looking a gift horse in the mouth. And so, you know, I, I kind of carry these superstitions with me. And, and, and one of them, it's not so much a superstition, but it's like if you score four goals early and then you start giving up, like, you know, you don't, like, shut it down, then it just it just seems like they're going to come back. And so there's just this part in the back of my head is like, Japan's just going to find a way, and there's going to be, like, 10 minutes left, and they're going to score that third goal, and then it's going to be, like, a crazy, you know, final few minutes. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm out watching the game, and halfway through, everybody's like, yeah, we won. Like, we already won. It's over. Like, let's go do stuff. And <laughs> Or, like, let's go light things off in the street, which is what happened. Fireworks were going off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just thinking, like, then that's when I start to get, like, oh, no, what if we lose? Like, what if everything just turns around and we lose and everybody's like, celebrating already? Um, that's the kind of thing that stresses me out. But, like, if I'm just in my own head, I'm like, okay, 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 <laughs> we can do this. Yeah, I think yeah, fireworks and, are a super jinx. Like, that's, I mean, just, you, you got to wait until after the game. Well, I mean, see, at, at halftime, they were hyping, that, like, yo, we got a surprise. We got a surprise <laughs> when the USA wins, when they blow that whistle. And I'm like, don't, you shouldn't be saying this. Don't yeah. say that right now. Please, yeah. stop. Have, have you guys ever watched a soccer game before? Anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, a few players specifically in this tournament. Um, kind of coming in to the World Cup this year, you know, the two names that everyone was really talking about was Abby Wambach, a, a longtime veteran of the squad, and Alex Morgan, who is kind of the new face of the of the offense. Um, both of them didn't really have, I think, the World Cup that people expected. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Um, but then you've got, you know, other veterans like uh, Megan Rapinoe and Carly Lloyd that just totally stepped up and, and filled in where there was a lack of offense. Yeah, no, I agree. And it was really great. Mo- there was a lot of really great moments for Carly Lloyd, especially she missed her PK in the final in 2011 against Japan. So those first three goals were like revenge, redemption, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, that was, I was really excited for her on that. And uh, also because perfect timing, she's on the cover of Howler, um, and I don't think we could have ever asked for a better, like a better timing. Yeah, um, she's like she's the darling of the World <laughs> Cup, I think. Well, and then on the last, the last cover was Sep Blatter, right? So you guys well, are. We have Sep. Carly Lloyd is kicking Sep's head on the cover. <laughs> Right. Um, which was also perfect timing as far as the whole FIFA scandal goes because the issue, like the cover had already, like the whole magazine had been sent to the, the printer before any of the drama <laughs> like came to a head. 
and was in the news. So I we got very, very lucky with that. See, here's more superstition building is now I think like, okay, well, Howler Magazine's going to predict what's going to happen in the yeah, World Cup before I mean, it we're happens. like those, those like trashy magazines at the checkout <laughs> the grocery store with the, like the doomsday predictions and stuff. <laughs> That's us. Well, so was there anybody else on the squad that really impressed you? Morgan Bryan. Yeah, that's that was the first name on my list. Why yeah. why did she impress you so much? She's she's so young and she has, I don't know, so much potential. I'm so excited to see what comes out of her in the future and um, I think that she's just like a really good piece to the puzzle yeah, as far okay. as like finding that rhythm. Like at first like the, the World Cup started off a little slow and it was awkward and we didn't know like what everybody was doing or where they were going and it was, uh, it was a little uncreative mm-hmm. and so when those opportunities come and they they make the plays they don't just wait for them to happen she seems to me like the perfect two-way player the perfect box-to-box midfielder because you know if she wasn't putting in a strong tackle and winning a ball i like in her half of the mm-hmm. field than she was, you know, receiving a pass and setting someone up because I think it was her outlet pass on the third goal. She saw um, Tobin Heath, you know, sprinting down the right wing, and it was just, just a like, great vision that she got it. She got a yeah, great exactly. ball vision off. Vision is a really good word for that. Yeah. So I was, and you know, she's the youngest player in the tournament, right? Twenty-two years yeah. old. Yeah. So I, I was, I think it's really a testament to the team's skill and just their overall depth that you know we were kind of entertained and, and talking about players like Morgan Bryan. I liked Kelly O'Hara a lot, who didn't have oh, yeah. a lot to do in this game, but in, in some of the previous knockout round games, she looked really, really good. Um, and so it's, it, it was really incredible to me that there, you know, there are all of these other names that we got to kind of learn about you know, over the past month. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And uh, I was really excited for Rapino yesterday because it was her birthday and it was also my birthday. So <laughs> best present ever, like winning the World Cup. Um, I said I wanted goals for my birthday and I got them. Yeah, that's pretty good. Who do you think had the better birthday, winning the World Cup or, or getting, I mean, getting your goals wish? <laughs> I would, if, I, if I was in her shoes, it would be like the perfect day. It's your birthday and it's just like... You want it to be this really happy, joyous, like celebratory moment, and it was all of that coming <laughs> together. <laughs> you know what's surprising is I think it's often players' birthdays when they win big things. Like I feel like yeah. this is just a stat I hear all of the time. Maybe it's because you know teams have you know twenty or thirty <laughs> players on them. It's always and somebody's only, birthday. Yeah, there are all, there are only so many days in the year, <laughs> and, and you play out of them. So it just kind of eventually it works out that it's somebody's birthday when you win. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, for new and longtime fans of these athletes, you know, kind of having a, having a month of soccer to watch is always awesome. You know, the World, the World Cup of any iteration is always fun because you get to watch just tons of soccer all at once, any sort of big tournament. But, you know, where can fans of these players go now to, like, kind of get their fix for women's soccer? Well, I think... The biggest thing is that a lot of people don't even realize that we have a professional women's league in America. Mm-hmm. Across the nation, there's games you can go to, um, teams you can support. And hopefully now, especially with the ratings and as big as this World Cup was in America, um, people will get out and support, take your, their kids and their families and their friends to go hang out, go to a game. Um, it's not just all 
dudes running around on a field. There are a lot of lovely ladies playing too. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's everywhere. It's in Portland and Seattle and DC, Houston, Chicago, Boston, New York, New Jersey. Um, I think Kansas city too. I think that's the one I'm missing. So there's also a new broadcasting deal with Fox. So they're going to, they're going to broadcast 10 games, three regular season, three playoff, the two semifinal games and the championship game. And so that gives me hope for the future that we'll start to get more TV deals and more awareness and sponsorships or promotion for these leagues. Yeah, that's awesome that they're going to be showing the playoff games. I wish they would be showing a few more of the regular season games, but it looks like we're too, already yeah. about halfway through the season or a little more than halfway yeah, through the season. Yeah, because the champ- I think the championship game is October 1st, and so it's already, you know, July. We're Yeah. We're into it. It'll be here soon. Um, and so then I know there are also a couple of, you know, most of the uh, the women from the national team play in the NWSL, um, which which is really awesome. So depending on where everyone is, you can go, you know, see probably at least one of your yeah. national team players in, on your local field. Um, but they're also doing a couple friendlies uh, in the next month in Pittsburgh and in Chattanooga in Tennessee, where you are right now, yeah. um, both against Costa Rica. So I think... Following the NWSL for the next, you know, month and a half, two months, uh, and then the friendlies. And then I guess we'll be gearing up for the Olympic cycle in two years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so looking ahead, let's look past the Olympics. That's too soon to uh, to prognosticate for. But let's look even further ahead to 2019. France, which had a great team in this tournament and arguably should have been the semifinal opponent for the yep. U.S. <laughs> Definitely. And I, and I would have been much more scared of that France team than I was of the German team. Um, they'll be hosting the tournament in 2019. Do you think the U.S. can repeat? I mean, I, like I said, I'm forever an optimist, so I would love a repeat. I feel like we could we could do it, especially with, you know, Morgan Bryan, who I'm so excited about. Carly Lloyd is my girl, for sure. Um, I'm excited for this kind of new generation, just everybody finding their place and that magic and, and just getting better and better and better. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of, uh, and I feel so pretentious saying the word Sturm und Drang, but I'm going to say it because that's what, what I mean. But here, talking about Abby Wambach and, you know, kind of this old style of, like, lump the ball forward and see what happens. is like, this was a really dynamic midfield in these last, you know, four knockout games or whatever. And they're really awesome to watch. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see kind of how they develop and, and, you know, learn to get better playing with each other and just kind of come out and crush France in four years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, this weekend was so patriotic for me i guess like with the usa game on friday it's like american flags everywhere you look usa red white and blue red white and blue and then fireworks i'm in nashville so the largest fireworks show in the country was here saturday night for fourth of july that was killer and then my birthday is always so great for me i don't know i love fourth of july it's my favorite holiday and then to have the game the day after and just continue like USA, red, white, and blue, <laughs> go team, like unity, that engagement, that like that's what I love about soccer, this community and the way it makes you feel, even when the feeling is not so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's so awesome. That's what I was trying to get at at the top of the show is like it's so awesome to be the favorites. And then yeah. and then to win in like a dominating fashion as the favorites. It's just like I know it's kind of maybe like a 
bullying standpoint to feel that way, but no, it's, I understand. It's, it's just like so much fun. Um, so I think I think we actually you reminded me we have to redo the rankings, the birthday rankings. It's okay. Actually, actually I think America gets the number one slot on best birthday. Oh yeah. Because you know July. I mean, you know, it was close I enough. So. It's a good so. birthday present for America winning yeah. winning another World Cup, and yeah. then uh, Megan Rapinoe, and then I think unfortunately your Twitter wish. Would be number <laughs> would be number three on the goal list. I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay, all right, Sonia. Thank you so much for coming on the big game. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the big game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a review if you like what you hear. Check out our website, biggamepod.com, and listen to all of our past episodes including our coverage of the U.S.'s friendly against France back in February of this year. Follow The Big Game on Twitter at BigGamePod, and stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game.